This is the remix. And McCormick drives it pretty deep to center. Pache is going back at the wall. Looking up. See you later. Straight away center for Chaz McCormick. It's two to one Astros. McCormick's fifth home run of the year. He's three for three tonight. Fishy, fishy. Basketball is 100% the most important thing in Kevin's life. It is the thing that he cares about himself more than anything in the world. And when Kevin was here, the reason I thought Kevin was making a mistake because I felt like when Kevin was here, what he was allowed to do was to simply just go play basketball, right? which is what Kevin loves to do. And so it wasn't that he was going to play with Kyrie. It wasn't that, you know, everyone's like, oh, Kyrie isn't there. It wasn't any of that. Or it wasn't like, oh man, you're winning championships. It was more so for me from a life standpoint, because again, I care about the person. I don't give a damn about the basketball player. And I just knew what makes him happy in his life is being able to simply go play basketball. And so that's where the mistake was made for me. You just crushed my dreams. Boom. Sadness. That's the one. Bishy, bishy. We asked to start the show today. Is Mike Trout the worst commissioner in fantasy football after Tommy Pham called him the worst commissioner in fantasy football because he was the commissioner of the Tommy Pham Jock Peterson League? Uh, got a couple of responses. Howard Sr. says, there goes Trout's Hall of Fame chances. Pete Rose gambled, <laughs> and Trout sucks as a fantasy football commissioner. I would love that very much if uh, there was a, uh, I don't know if I can vote if he for was, If he was not unanimous, not that very few yeah. people are, very few people are unanimous, but he wasn't unanimous. And the reason was it was one vote. And some yeah. guy from, you know, wherever in the middle of the country said, well, like, how could I, how could I vote for the guy? He's a terrible fantasy football yeah. commissioner. He completely blew it. He ruined Tommy Pham's chance at winning that league. Can't vote for him. Um, also, Fernando said, Adam Hill is the worst commissioner. I didn't know Adam Hill was a commissioner to tell you the truth. He might not be. I think Fernando's just taking a yeah, shot. Yeah, he's just at taking a shot at Adam. Adam. I don't I, think Adam. Which, I, Adam's in about 56 leagues. Well, yeah, I was going to say. And he's got to be the commissioner in one of them, right? I I was going to guess no. Oh. <laughs> I was going to guess he didn't want to be bothered with that part of it, that he just wanted to be in 56 leagues. So I've been on the road with him where he has the apps, the Yahoo apps for all the leagues, and it is staggering how many uh, – lineups he has to change and it's it's very impressive that he even remembers all the leagues he's in and how many lineups he has to change i, I can't get through two that i'm in um without you know really <laughs> just having a brain cramp so uh good for adam but i i'm gonna guess uh i'm gonna guess fern that uh, adam is not a commissioner of any of his leagues uh two things one i hate being in more than one league at a time yep um and two, I think Adam Hill would be the best fantasy football commissioner. Yeah, he seems he seems like he would take it very seriously. Right, he would take it very seriously, and he's like a stickler for the rules. So he would be on top of everything. Like he, I, I think he would be a tremendous fantasy football commissioner. We should make him our fantasy football commissioner. Like I think he'd be great. Your silence is deafening while I'm at home. No, do you disagree? No, I no, I don't disagree because he's so detailed and he hates people who break rules and he (laughs) rants about it. So anyone who you know, if Tommy Pham was right and Jock Peterson was trying to stash players, Adam would call him out immediately. No, I think he'd. I think he'd be very good. I just don't think he has believes he has the time or the desire to do it. Well, you know, cut back from fifty four leagues to thirty eight, and you might be uh, you might be a commissioner of one of these leagues. 
might be able to work there. So I can't play that go. many leagues. I, I uh, just can't. I no. I think it would be a disaster. I wouldn't yeah. remember who's on any teams. I I I agree. I I don't like being in more than one. If I'm ever in more than one, I one of them like doesn't get paid attention to. It's it's just right. it's not fun for me. Um. So there you go. Uh, fun fantasy football story. I'm hoping we get more details today. After Jock Peterson, Tommy Pham, Mike Trout, Manny Machado, Mike Mustakis, any of them talk to the media today. Uh, hopefully they get asked some questions. Now, uh, this was an interesting story. John Mahaffey on Twitter, uh, looking through some of the budgets from the Las Vegas Stadium Authority here, um, UNLV has not received a $3.5 million payment from Allegiant Stadium that they are supposed to receive. So if we backtrack here, when Allegiant Stadium, when that bill was getting passed through uh, the Nevada legislature, part of the agreement was that UNLV could could receive $3.5 million a year for as long as 10 years. And the reason for this is because they had to close Sam Boyd Stadium down. And UNLV said, hey, we were making $3.5 million on events at Sam Boyd Stadium. And so the agreement was, okay, for 10 years, you'll get paid a $3.5 million sum to sort of offset the money you would have lost. Apparently, UNLV has not gotten any of that money, though. They have not received a $3.5 million payment from Allegiant Stadium. Is UNLV getting screwed here? I think they are. I mean, apparently that they didn't they agree to postpone it because of the COVID, the one year. Yes, there was they, a one year postponement. Okay, all to, right. So they they should they should not have gotten it for year one, but okay. they should have gotten it. Yeah. For twenty twenty one. The more we go through this stadium authority and the power the Raiders have over these guys, uh, <laughs> it's staggering. Because I'm telling you, as you know, I was at those meetings, and I don't believe if UNLV wasn't a major part in terms of what the benefits would be for UNLV. I don't think they get those votes. I mean, a lot of those legislatures stood up and said, okay, convince us that UNLV is going to be helped out here and that it's going to be a good deal for them, and then we'll vote for this. And they obviously were convinced enough because they got enough votes to pass it. But I don't think it's worked out for UNLV in the way that they believed it would so far uh, when they, you know, they voted and all those green buttons came up and then it was passed. I think right now, June of 2022 we can look back and say already UNLV would be better off if they had stayed at mm -hmm. Sam Boyd stadium, because if you look at, obviously there was a COVID year, which impacted a lot of things. But if we, if we take any of sort of the, the financial details that we got from those stadium authority meetings, right? UNLV playing at Sam Boyd, they owned Sam Boyd stadium. So they didn't have to pay themselves any sort of rent or anything like that. They didn't have to pay to operate it. Obviously you've got to turn the lights on. You got to pay for water and all that stuff, but, they also have to pay those costs at Allegiant Stadium. They have to pay for whatever the Raiders deem their daily utilities for when UNLV uses their Allegiant Stadium. And during the uh, meetings, the estimate there was that to use Sam Boyd, it cost UNLV about $50,000. To use Allegiant Stadium, it was about $150,000. Mm -hmm. So they tripled their, basically their rent effectively got tripled in that instance. They've now lost $3.5 million that they were getting from events yearly at Sam Boyd Stadium. Maybe UNLV pumped those numbers up, but still, they were probably making some money on other events there. And 
their attendance was lower last season than it was in 2019 at Sam Boyd. They had like it was like 4,000 less people on average at Allegiant Stadium than they had at Sam Boyd in 2019. So they're paying more to use the stadium. They don't get money from events, and they had less people in the building. UNLV was better off at Sam Boyd Stadium than they are at Allegiant yeah. Stadium. Well, financially, for sure. Yeah. They're going to tell you the perception of playing in an NFL stadium, and I don't know how much that – you and I have had this discussion before of really how much that matters in recruiting facilities. Um but that's what they're going to tell you. The perception of being in an NFL stadium has helped them in other ways, but it certainly hasn't helped them in the pocketbook, which for UNLV should be a main concern. You're not a Power 5 school getting you know, $50 million in TV revenue every year. You're getting five or six yeah, or whatever at that, that is. That. Um, the UNLV is 2-16 and 16 since playing in Allegiant Stadium, so I don't think we can point to Allegiant Stadium as having helped them on the field. Uh, you can also, the whole facilities argument that, you know, I yell about all the time. Uh, how long has the Fertitta football complex been open? Three, four seasons now? Uh, elite, well, I'm trying to think when he got fired. <laughs> uh, uh, let's see. So it'd be three. It'd be yeah. at least three, right? So, you know, since that's been opened, so Sanchez went four and eight in his last year. I think it was open at the very end of his last it year. It was open when he was there. Right, and then Arroyo is 2-16. and 16. Like, they have had multiple years to recruit to this Fertitta football complex, and they haven't been to a bowl well, game. They're, they've won two games in the last two years. Like, yeah. facilities do not help you win. Coaches help you win. If Marcus Arroyo is a good recruiter and a good coach, UNLV will win. It's not going to be because they have a Legion Stadium. They're UNLV football, like, they should, and it's not realistic at this moment, but UNLV should be trying to figure out how do they get out of Allegiant Stadium? How do they build their own stadium that they can own and not have to pay rent at, basically, and if they have events there, make money off of it? But like, how do they do that? They can't do it really realistically now because no. everybody will say, why would, no. why would we pay for that? You go play in Allegiant Stadium. But that should be what UNLV wants, but they're not ever going to get that now. Is, I know it's illegal in the NFL, but could UNLV pump in crowd noise at the very least? Uh, do they not? <laughs> I don't. I mean, I don't the, think the games do I went to were Iowa State, which was very loud, but uh, it was mostly Iowa State fans. And uh, the other one, I was in the press box, so I have no idea if it was loud. With the or acoustics not. and speakers at that place, you'd probably have no idea if the crowd <laughs> noise was being pumped in. <laughs> why does it sound like the? Why does it sound like the Doppler radar <laughs> effect? It's uh yeah they they probably should pump in crowd noise. Is that illegal in college football? I mean, you have you have bands just playing. I know there's rules that, that they're not supposed to play when the balls in play, right. but some of them still do. So, I feel like you could get away with that. You can probably play crowd noise until the balls in play. <laughs> the other thing on the facilities point is uh you know to the level they're recruiting, there's very few places that those kids don't go that everyone has facilities. Yes. It I mean, if the, you don't have a football facility now, you're I mean, it's, you know, if a kid goes on five trips, he's seen five of those things. They, they, yeah. just, they just are. UNLV building their new facility, which is, you know, three or four years old now, was not about having a facility that they could show off as better than anybody else. It was simply about catching up. Yeah, about, that, about that, having one when everyone else right. did. Or most that was people. about catching up. And mm. once we get five or six Catch years up. down the road, enough schools will have upgraded that UNLV's facility, not that it'll be like old and decrepit, but it's not going to be anything special. It's just going to be, oh, 
you have a facility. Mm -hmm. Good for you. The other six schools I'm considering have the same thing. So you're not winning recruiting battles because, oh, look at this weight room that's now five years old. That doesn't matter to a kid that's coming out because every school that you go to is gonna have has something similar. The And maybe it's worked on some people. I can't imagine Allegiant Stadium working that well. Like, I guess you can be like, hey, you're going to play in a stadium where NFL teams play. But if that was such a big deal, more than like three teams across the country would play in NFL stadiums. Right, right. But only like three of them do. And none of them are actually good scenarios. Most of them are like, oh, yeah, you're kind of screwed here at the end of the day. Yeah. So I, it's it's listen, I don't think it's a good situation for UNLV. I didn't think it was a good situation when they signed it. They kind of got screwed. And we talked about it last week with the schedule and the Raiders can move games around. And now apparently they're just not getting the 3.5 million dollar payment they were supposed to be getting like it's just it's the just raiders so we gave the raiders all the control here and UNLV is one of the ones that gets the brunt of that yeah. problem because they're they're legally supposed to play there and the raiders have to let them play there but they don't really have to be right. convenient about it the best is that they can just move games around yeah oh. And what the hell they, is hey, that? You're going to play Friday night at this time because we have to get the stadium ready, even though it's been proven we can turn the stadium around in seven hours. Yeah, it, no, Friday is – I'm actually more okay with them playing on a Friday than, hey, you're going to play Tuesday at yeah. 3.30. Does they that work for that you? Yet. They haven't done that yet. <laughs> Only Thursdays and Fridays so far. But give them a year or two, and they'll be they'll be pushing it to a Thursday. Yeah, no we got a game it. in London. We just don't want you there. <laughs> <laughs> I look forward to that when they are in an international game, and they're like, you know, we, we need you playing on a Friday. Friday. The Red Hot Chili Peppers uh, just uh, said that they could fit us in their yeah. schedule. You guys are going to have to play uh, Monday at 9 a.m. <laughs> and But to make one point that's off of UNLV, Major League Soccer, if that ever happens here, all of these things about UNLV is a reason why Major League Soccer probably won't play in Allegiant Stadium because they would get treated the exact oh, same yeah. way. Yeah, as the Raiders UNLV. are going to rule over anybody who goes in there. Yeah, and so maybe if we got an MLS team and they needed like a year for to play at a temporary place before the stadium was finished, maybe. But as far as a long-term home, they, like these are the problems that an MLS team would have just the same as UNLV. So there's very little chance that Major League Soccer would come in and say, let's put a team there. The only way is if Mark Davis was somehow the owner of the MLS team because <laughs> well, then you'd be like, well, Don't put it past him. He might. He don't might put do it past it. him. Yeah. I mean, hell, these other guys don't exist. I at least know Mark Davis <laughs> exactly. exists. You've seen so, him in a Mini Cooper. Yeah, I've seen him in a Las Vegas Aces game. I know he's real, and he can own an MLS team. The other guys, Seth Klarman, that guy is completely fake. Wes Eden supposedly owns the Bucks, but I don't know if that's never real seen or that not. guy. Yeah. All right. Coming up next, Sam and Ash join the show. Call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit their website, samandashlaw.com. Sam and Ash, because you deserve what's right. Good morning, Sam and Ash. How are you guys today? Well, we are good, oh. but I, it's oh. a, it's Hello, a, Sam. It's a um, it's kind of a royal we because there is no ash, so I am All I am right. stepping in here for her as well, uh, and it's uh, great to be with you guys. Well, we can't wait. wait We've she, got some good ones. Is she dog sitting? I saw a picture of her with Rocky and another dog. Well, the other dog is our other friend Sam Samantha, who we went to law school with, and 
for the record, I was the first one with the dachshund. I started, <laughs> okay. I started this whole thing off, and then, then of course, Ash got Rocky, and and then Samantha got uh, little Pam, who is the cream-colored uh, doxy that you see in on the um, Ash the Attorney is as Ashley's uh, Instagram. So you know she's um, yeah, it's a cute thing. She's driving them around, and yeah. <laughs> Are you a better attorney if you have a dachshund? Is that how this works? Well, I, I absolutely think that's true. <laughs> um, prove me wrong. <laughs> okay. <laughs> One of our favorite stories Ever. of all time uh, has happened. Tommy Pham, outfielder <laughs> for the Cincinnati Reds, before a game last Friday, walked up in the outfield to Jock Peterson, who plays for the team, the San Francisco Giants, and slapped him in the face. We eventually find out that this is over fantasy football. And of course it was. Yeah, obviously. And Tommy Pham upset over two things. One, he thought Jock Peterson was like sort of blurring, breaking some rules in their fantasy football league. And two, was upset that Jock Peterson had made fun of the team he was on last year, the Padres, in a group chat and that he needed to go and slap him. Tommy Pham has basically admitted that he was purposely going after Jock Peterson. He said last night that he had sent in a text message like a few months ago that the next time he saw Jock Peterson, he was going to slap him. Um, I can't imagine Jock Peterson actually pressing charges here because he seems like he just wants this to be over. But what actually could happen for just walking up and slapping a guy in the face before a baseball game? Well, a lot. Um and I agree with you. I don't think much is going to come of this, but, but again, remember whether it's a punch, a slap, a shove, it can have disastrous consequences. So if it just lands the wrong way, if you get somebody's eye, if you mess up their neck and they're, you know, they're, they've got a, they've got a contract worth millions of dollars and a career worth millions of dollars and you interfere in that and create a problem, uh, then I'll tell you, you, that's, that's a lawsuit. Uh, and, and you said, so this is why, Doing something like this is never a good idea because you could you could actually end up really messing somebody up and creating a major legal mess for yourself. Don't hit people. Got it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Lesson number one. You, you say, you know, I mean, we're talking, you slap someone that hard, it could be more than just a red mark on a face, right? And we could talk serious injury. I mean, depending on how hard you slap them. Well, well sure, and, and this is for punches too you know there, a lot of times people get punched 99 percent of the time people get punched and, and they walk away from it but remember we had that case not too long ago where a visiting police officer i believe from the east coast was out here in vegas was on the strip got into a verbal deal with some passerby the guy turned around and hit him and the guy dropped to the floor and died and and so you know you know what what could be the consequence of you laying hands on someone well you know murder charges for one so don't do this this is a bad idea and it's why you know starting in in elementary school middle school high school we ought to be suspending and 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 you know putting kids up against serious consequences for 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 uh, for doing this kind of stuff so yeah it's, it's this is not not good but i think this i mean i just think it's funny that it was a slap I mean, what a, to me, this, I mean, when I grew up, baseball players, athletes were these tough guys it, it, in the eighties. Okay. Can I say this in the eighties? If, if, if a ball player slapped another ball player, all we would be talking about is what a 
doofus this guy was. <laughs> like, what a, they, they'd be Crazy. calling him things that I can't even, I can't even use those words on air anymore. Like, it's just, be, they, we would be making fun of him. The whole thing would be treated as, as being totally silly. And, and I think that we ought to laugh at this a little bit because, like, they're arguing about, you made fun of my team and, um, and, and fantasy football. Like, eh. Just, uh, I have a question. I have a question on the money side of this because it was apparently a league where the buy-in was ten thousand dollars. Tommy Pham complained. He was like, "Oh, he's messing with my money. He's messing with my money." It, when you play fantasy football, not uh, technically the most legal thing to play fantasy football for money. There's no legal recourse if you played in a fantasy football league and thought that you got robbed out of your money, right? You're just kind of out of luck there. Oh my gosh, what a what a question. I mean, could yeah, could you sue for kind of unjust an unjust enrichment theory? Look, if you're you're putting money into something and somebody's fudging the rules, you could you could for misrepresentation or, or or fraud. I don't know what kind of money they're putting into this. I mean, is it thousands of? Maybe they have a lot of money. I mean, to me, fantasy football is something you put twenty bucks in and forget about it. But some people are very into this. So if thousands and thousands of dollars or tens of thousands of dollars are at play, then absolutely, if somebody has, if you have agreed, set upon rules, uh, a fair play of how that how the thing's going to proceed, and somebody's messing with it, and th then then yeah, there are certain civil causes of action you could bring. But man. I mean, you got to be prepared. Here's what you got to be prepared for. You're going to bring that case into a courtroom. You're going to put a jury of nine to 12 people in the box who aren't going to be with their kids, aren't going to be at their jobs. Aren't. Do you know how pissed these people are going to be? I mean, Matt, you know what it's like getting called for jury service? And when you're like, oh, it's a murder. Got it. Okay, big deal. I'm here. I, I, I got you. But oh, hey, we've got these two rich guys arguing over over their fantasy football picks. <laughs> yeah, no. I actually think I would be very excited if I got called. Well, of course, you would be excited, <laughs> yeah. I would be <laughs> but, so fun. But you're he'd not everyone. The, he'd want to be the <laughs> foreman. <laughs> yeah. No, that would be you, Ed. That's right. You'd be the foreman. I've done it twice. I've done it I twice. know this. You're um, like a professional foreman of, jur <laughs> of juries. Speaking of foreman and judges and everything else, judge denied uh, NFL motion to dismiss John Gruden's case, so we know the former coach... Brought a lawsuit against the NFL. It's going to proceed to trial, according to the judge, barring his settlement. He originally filed this lawsuit uh, after he believed the NFL purposely leaked emails in which he used racist, misogynistic, and anti-LGBTQ uh, language. So, okay, so she says, no, we're going to trial. NFL wanted it dismissed. Um, there are supposedly hundreds of thousands of emails. What? How much of a nightmare, could, if it goes to trial, could discovery be in this? Well, friends, funny you should ask, because apparently I broke the internet yesterday on Sports Illustrated when yes. I predicted that uh, that this could be the end of, of Roger Goodell. And I, I say that because I know that the guy is a is a jerk, okay, putting it kindly. And I know that that in this age of 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 information, of of texts, emails, you know, everything, right? You have there now, what, when this case goes to discovery, it is an open opportunity to go fishing in, in Goodell's and the NFL's records. And generally, discovery is very broad. There's, there's a lot that the NFL can do, the lawyers can do for Goodell and the NFL to, to block it and prevent it. But in the end, discovery will run its course. I would be shocked 
if this process doesn't find some bad stuff on Goodell, uh, some extremely damaging stuff. And, and remember, it's not going to be a process dissimilar to that which was run, you know, against a particular football team on the East Coast that poor Gruden got, you know, caught up in, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, now I, I happen to know for a fact that the attorneys representing the that representing Gruden are are the same attorneys for the for the, for the Raiders and for Mark Davis, and uh, it sure sounds to me, and I have no inside info on this, but it sure sounds to me like they are proceeding with this case with tacit approval and support by Mark Davis, certainly, if not the entire organization, and they're out for blood. And if I were the NFL, if I were I were Goodell, I'd be I would be in a state of advanced distress right now because I don't think that Gruden has a number. I don't think that Gruden has like there's a, a dollar amount in his in his mind that he wants. I think he wants blood. And I think Mark Davis wants blood. And I think they're they're going to take their pound of flesh and that could include the ouster of of Goodell. I would not be surprised. So do you have any idea for us on like timeline here? Like when does this actually end up going to trial? When does discovery happen and all that? Well, discovery could happen as soon as next month, I would say, probably once some other motions get heard. Um, and then they'll send out their request. The lawyers for, for Gruden will send out their request, and then the lawyers on the other side will fight it. So this is going to go back and forth. Trial, I mean, trial could be two and a half years from now easily okay but hear me out on this but the trial trial is not the issue the issue is this this ability that gruden will have to search their records if the nfl and and goodell are unsuccessful in stopping that the real action will happen over the next you know 12 months 18 months or so when they start finding stuff and believe me, you know, they're going to leak. They're going to leak just like, you know, they leaked the, the Gruden stuff. I'm telling you, this is this is a vendetta and you'll see it. I, I would say next year and a half, this is going to get exciting. So you, just, you don't think there's any settlement because Gruden, I, I agree with you. I don't think Gruden cares about money. I, I, Gruden doesn't care about the money. Mark Davis doesn't care about the money. But, but, by the way, remember when, when Gruden left, right, resigned under pressure, Remember that he settled with with the Raiders and with with uh, with Mark Davis mm-hmm. right away. It was announced like within a week. Oh, we've reached a settlement, you know. And it was to me that signaled that the that Gruden's beef was absolutely not with Mark Davis. It was with the NFL how they treated him, and in particular Goodell, who's a, who is a gangster. Okay, the guy the guy's he's a, an OG. A yeah, well he's. He's something, and he's a prima donna, and he's full of it. And and I'll tell you, you know, pride, you know, pride precedes the fall. And and he's got he's got an enormous ego. He thinks he's untouchable. He acts like he owns the NFL. I mean, it's not his organization; it belongs to the owners. And 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 you could argue the players and the fans, but you know, the the, the way he acts is, he just acts like a king. And now someone is holding him to account. It's going to be glorious if this proceeds. Glorious. I've been waiting for this day for years. There's just going to be emails about how he doesn't like dachshunds. (laughs) 
Yeah, that's he probably doesn't like dachshunds. <laughs> well, it is <laughs> SamAndAshLaw.com. 702-820-1234 is the phone number. Sam, as always, we appreciate it. Thanks, Sam. We appreciate it. What a it. pleasure. Thanks. All right, guys. Be well. Take See care. You. So, uh, again, 702-820-1234 is the phone number. SamAndAshLaw.com. Coming up next, it's Bischoff's Briefs. Bischoff's Briefs. Son, I didn't understand a word you just said. Bischoff's Briefs. Hey, thanks. That is not a compliment. Ah, I disagree. Bischoff's Briefs. Okay, well, that was just a list of complete nonsense, but you're not totally wrong. Bischoff's Briefs. Bischoff's Briefs today, looking a little bit at the Golden Knights. Uh, because we had two conflicting reports over Memorial Day weekend. Uh, the first one was from Emily Kaplan, who said, A few people in the league have suggested to me that there could be a deal in place already with Barry Trotz and the Vegas Golden Knights. Just knowing the way Vegas does business, but we'll have to wait and see where Trotz lands before the rest of the chips fall. The next day, Elliot Friedman on Hockey Night in Canada said, Barry Trotz has let it be known to teams that he's not in a hurry to make his choice and he won't make his decision until he decides if it's right for him and his family. So one report suggesting that Trotz and the Golden Knights already have an agreement. Another report saying that Trotz is telling teams he is going to take his time. Um, Do you believe either one of those reports? I think I believe Barry Trotz only because I think he's talked to like 10 teams. I think he's I think he's taking his time to see how much power he can get and what's the best deal for him. Uh, probably for him and his family, but mostly for him in terms of, you know, we've heard several reports where he doesn't want to just be the coach. He wants to either work into management or have the management power. And given how, how you know, big a deal people think he is, uh, maybe that's what he's trying to work out. I mean, if I'm him, I'm trying to get as much power as I can, right? I mean, I, I yeah. mean, I, this is... Probably maybe the last place he's going to coach. Um, maybe he wants to go into management afterwards. So I have no problem with him trying to get as much as he can get. Most people do when they get a job. On Emily Kaplan's report about Trotz and the Golden Knights potentially having a deal in place, the part of it that doesn't make sense to me is if they do, what would they be waiting for to announce it? Why would they not go ahead and announce today or yesterday or two days ago? Yeah. I don't, hey, I, yeah, Barry I don't Trotz know. is the Golden Knights head coach. I, I don't, I couldn't figure out why they would wait, why there would be a, a, a downside. Like I couldn't figure out what the reasoning would be to agree to it and then not announce it. Maybe they've agreed verbally and they haven't actually sat down and physically signed a contract, and maybe that's why. But I just couldn't figure out why you would have an agreement but not announce it because you're not by any means embarrassed to be hiring Barry Trotz. No. Like I, I just you, you, I couldn't you figure win, out you win the sweepstakes. Right. So I couldn't figure out why, if there was an agreement in place, why they would wait. On the other side, if it's true that Trotz has told teams he's not in a hurry to make his choice and all that, the question for me, or at least for the Golden Knights, becomes how long do you wait on Barry Trotz? And how realistic is it do you think that you could land Barry Trotz, because obviously, if Barry Trotz called the Golden Knights and said, "I'm not interested," then you you just move on and you hire your next best candidate. But like if like Trotz, if you're the Golden Knights, if he's given you some indication that he's interested in Vegas, 
how long do you wait? Like if you have him as your number one guy and let's just, for hypothetical sakes, let's just say Rick Tockett's your number two guy. How long do you wait before you risk losing Rick Tockett? Like what happens if you A wait year? until, <laughs> what happens if you wait until June 8th, June 15th, right? And all of a sudden Rick Tockett's hired by, uh, I don't know, Philadelphia or some, some other team with a coaching vacancy. And now you've lost your number two because you're waiting for Barry Trotz. I guess, like, if Barry Trotz is taking his time, if he's basically holding the coaching search hostage, do you wait or do you just say, you know what? We don't think there's a big enough difference between Trotz and Tockett. We're not going to wait well, around anymore. We're hiring Rick Tockett. That's the absolute best way to put it. It depends on what you think the margin is between the two. I mean, if you think Barry Trotz is just a million times better than Rick Tockett, then you wait. But you're exactly right. If you think, well, Barry Trotz is a good coach. But Tockett, as Ryan said yesterday, you know, I don't know how much blame you give him for Arizona. Ryan said Tampa Bay was in a rebuild or trying to get going. So maybe there's some things of that record you can, like, explain away, which you're probably going to have to if you hire Rick Tockett, although they don't feel like you have to explain away anything because they think everything they do is right um, and every decision they make is perfect. So, um, but you, you hit on the head. I mean, I think, I think you internally have the discussion is how much better is this guy? And if you think he's exponentially better than Rick Tockett, I think you wait as long as possible, especially if, as Emily Kaplan has reported, if there's not a deal in place, maybe a verbal agreement. Like, if you have that from him, then yeah. I'd wait I'd wait it out. Yeah. I just I am fascinated by the idea that Barry Trotz can hold every team in the NHL who doesn't have a coach hostage right now. Like, it's, it's kind of incredible to me that nobody's hired a coach. Barry Trotz is potentially out here saying, oh, I'm going to take my time, guys. And he's interviewed with enough teams that, like, are we ser- like right now on June 1st, how many teams think they could actually hire Barry Trotz? Oh, well, I think Winnipeg is because I think that's his home. So yeah, I think they it, think that. I think they think he, they can just because, you know, you'd bring him home. I think the Knights absolutely do because of their team and how talented it is. Um, Philly, I don't know if they really believe they could hire him. I'm like, trying to think of what else is available. Yeah, I, I just love the idea that there could be like three, four more maybe teams that think they're getting Barry Trotz and are sitting around waiting because that would imply to me that Barry Trotz hasn't called anybody and said, no, I'm not coming there, which would be tremendous from Barry Trotz if he has four plus teams waiting around thinking they have a shot at him. And he's just like, yeah, I might come to Philly, might we, come to Vegas and just drags them all along as long as he can and then says, eh, I'm going to sit out a year, guys. I'll talk to you next offseason. TNT offered me the biggest contract, so I'm going with that. <laughs> well, Tockett's done the TV throughout the whole thing. I'm, and now you can interview a guy when he's doing TV, so maybe, heck, for all we know, Tockett's the guy and they're waiting until he's done with the playoffs. Ugh. I mean, I, yeah. I, I don't know. I'm just, you know, there there are ties between Tockett and that organization uh, in the management uh, realm, so... You know, that's you could hire Tockett today and he could finish out. I guess you could. I mean, I guess you could hire him and then they say he he starts after his TV obligations are done. I mean, hell, you get if you were going to hire Rick Tockett, you would want to hire him now because then you get free publicity for the next rest. You're not in the postseason, but they talk about the Golden Knights all the time with Rick Tockett. Yeah, no, that's true. Going from Barry Trotz to Rick Tockett, like you, you want Barry Trotz, but you wound up with Rick Tockett is like looking at a Cadillac and winding up with a smart car. I mean, mo- wouldn't most people rather have the smart car right now? Have you seen gas prices? <laughs> How about this okay. in, in California yesterday? Did you see that price? 
No, there's actually what a price it? price going eight plus Ooh. in California. That's tough. I mean, Is this like plus. in a remote area? I didn't. I was on World News and I looked right. at it and it said it's eight eight oh six or something like that. And then uh, Sam Farmer, the LA Times, tweeted around his house in California, LA, lowest was six fifty four or something like that. And they had a report from there. A guy like is filling up his SUV. He goes, "Well, one eighty six. I mean, I was like, what? Hey, they get paid more in California. All right, we've got tickets to give oh, away. Yeah. If you want to go see Jurassic World Dominion early, we've got a pair of tickets for you. It comes out on June 10th, but we've got tickets to go see the premiere on June 7th. 702-364-1100 is the phone number. If you want to go see Jurassic World, World a few days early, we got a pair of tickets for you right now. 702-364-1100 is the phone number. 702-364-1100. We'll take caller number six. To three tonight. You're locked in the press box. Ed, are the Dodgers going to beat the Pirates? I don't know. Not if they keep falling behind 4-0 in the first inning. <laughs> last night wasn't good. The night before, I kind of rolled with it. Last night wasn't good. I didn't. Uh-oh. I couldn't find the uh, squeaky remote. I think the. I don't think. I don't know if the birds have that, but someone has that. Uh, and uh, it was not good. Had to walk away before one was thrown because just losing to bad teams on uh, again back to back losses for the Padres could be up five games now instead standing at three as the Giants start to win games. So yeah, it's not good. Not good. You're not good. you're sounding. You're we're sounding the same because the Astros are thirty two and eighteen, and I kind of think they suck. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. And today, of course, I'm looking at the, the projection. Dodgers, 75.7% chance to win the game. They've been over 75% the last two nights, and they haven't won either one. So I'm tired yeah, of projections by these guys. It happened. Listen, you could be the Phillies. Have you seen the Phillies the last few nights? Against the Giants? Uh, first off, yeah, against the Giants. Yeah. First off, they are 12 and a half back already like the Phillies not that anybody thought the Phillies were good but the Phillies were supposed to you know contend especially with extra wild card spots they're supposed to contend but they're 12 and a half back they've lost five in a row uh to the Mets and the Giants and I believe they have given up in three straight games the game winning run in the ninth inning like their bullpen just comes in and cannot get it done like, it is just not happening for them whatsoever. Let's see. Three nights ago against the Mets, the Phillies took the lead in the eighth inning, gave up a run in the ninth to, to tie it, and then gave up the winning run in the tenth. Then, yes, or two days ago, they tie game going into the ninth, gave up a run in the top of the ninth, came back and actually scored in the bottom of the ninth, and then lost in the tenth. And then last night, tie game going into the tenth, they both scored a run then gave up three to the Giants in the top of the 11th and lost. Run differential for the Phillies, zero uh, this year. Yes, yes. They're eight (laughs) games under 500, and they're zero in run differential. (laughs) Brutal team to be a fan of right now. But uh, And they actually have a worse record than the Pirates now, which is remarkable considering the Pirates aren't trying to win this year and the Phillies are. They're not trying to win, but they're they're beating... uh... They're beating the Dodgers. Beating the Dodgers. Yeah, yeah it happens. That's got to be. That's got to be at some point. Someone in management is just like, "Come on, Dodgers, pitch better. You're letting yeah. my oh. bums hit four. Oh yeah, the Pirates front office is more upset than Ed is about the last two games. Yes, yes. <laughs> we can't get good. Rich. That's not the point. 
these were guaranteed losses. Now we're going to be picking third in the draft instead of first in the draft. Yeah, a guaranteed. Uh, should be guaranteed. Hey, they're only there. nine and a half out, the Pirates. Oh, really? Yeah, they're only nine and a half back of uh, they, Milwaukee. They keep playing the Dodgers. They'll be in the race yeah. pretty soon. Keep beating up on the Dodgers. By the way, what happened to Max Muncy? Uh, forearm injury. Uh, oh, he's injured. On, he's okay. on the I.L. Okay. I keep seeing this Hanser Alberto guy playing second. Yeah, no, like, he's, I don't know who that boom. is. He's not a bad player. It's the Pilar guy I'm not happy with in the outfield. <laughs> I'm not that happy with that kid. He came up la- He came up two nights ago, or maybe it was last night. I don't know. First and second one out. I said, ground ball, double play. What do you get? Ground ball, double play. <laughs> Just uh, not good. And I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I'm pining away for Cody Bellinger's return. Oh, yep. man. Yeah. Jesus. I know. That's how, that's how bad it's gotten in my house recently. Oh, okay. I saw something that I don't think I've seen in baseball before last night. Um, the Oakland Athletics last night challenged the count. <laughs> so oh, I've never seen that. It, it was a 3-1 count, and the A's thought that it was supposed to be 2-2. So the A's dugout was asking the home plate umpire, like, wait, what's your count? No, no, we have it at 2-2. The home plate umpire went out and like got all the umps together and was like, well, what do you guys have? And they were like, oh, it's 3-1. And he looks back to the dugout, and he says, no, we got 3-1. And the A's said, we're challenging that. And so they went and looked at the replay. But here's the funny part. You don't look at the replay to see if the ball was in the strike zone. They went and reviewed how many times the umpire called a strike. Yeah, uh, how many times he pulled he, he, he put his arm put up. Put his arm up, right. Yeah. It, it was, I didn't know you could do that, but it was like the funniest review that I've seen because they were challenging the count and the replays were just how many times did the ump put his arm up. And they were wrong. The umpires were right. The A's lost their challenge in the first inning challenging the count. Such A's of them. Wow. <laughs> It's actually pretty funny, though. I actually, I actually would like that better. Normal challenges. I didn't know you could do that. Everybody no. seemed confused. I think. I guess Every- you can challenge anything then. Yeah. Everyone seemed confused as to be like, okay, what are we doing here? We're challenging the count. <laughs> Even the only person in the entire ballpark that had it as a two-two count was the one random guy in the A's dugout. Who's supposed to take the countdown? Right. And they challenged off of that and lost.